0: Summer is just around the corner, and I could not be more excited. Those warmer, sunnier days are calling, so fuel up for them with Factor's No Prep, No Mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to their menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals, which is so helpful for me, especially during those busy summer months. As you know, my mom and I, or at least me, are not great in the kitchen. I need to have things that are easy to cook and delicious and healthy. So Factor checks all those boxes for me. Make today the day you kickstart a healthy new routine. So what are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options, and treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. You can choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Factor truly has it all. So head to factormeals.com/barbknowsbest5050 and use BarbKnowsBest5050 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BarbKnowsBest50 at factormeals.com slash best 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is
1: active. Liberty sees me, it stands by me, and celebrates me for who I am. When I come into the office, I feel that I belong here. I don't have to be corporate America Gabby. I can just bring Gabby to work. Reach your potential and find a job you love at Liberty Mutual. We offer development training, rich benefits, and a culture that lets you bring your whole self to work so you can pursue your tomorrow today.
2: Ready to consider a career at Liberty Mutual? Find out how at libertymutualcareers.com.
0: Welcome back to Barb Knows Best the podcast. I am thrilled to be here with you all today. My name is Michelle Maros and I'm here with the fabulous Peaceful Barb, my mother <laughs> who knows best.
2: Hi everyone. <laughs> You're so funny.
0: I was trying to spice it up a little You're bit. You're so cute. How are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm doing How's well it going
2: being you? It feels a lot of overwhelm out there. It feels like there's a lot going on outside in the world today and there's always a lot, but it just feels a little bit more, um, I don't know, more at a a higher level than usual. It does and that makes
0: sense. I love so often, instead of asking people, how are you or how's it going? You say, how's it going being you today? And that always gives me a pause to stop and really think about my own experience in life I think it's such a meaningful question
2: yeah I think yeah I love that Michelle because I think it gets you into your feelings I think if you asked me that which you did um, I'm happy we're talking about the topic that we're talking about today because I've most of the day been even more grateful for my practice and the ability to be able to be anchored uh, in the midst of all the chaos and and you know, with all the uncertainty that's happening in the world around us and the overwhelm that I was actually feeling today.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on in this world as there always is. Um, A lot of uncertainty, a lot of overwhelm, like you said, and just feelings of uneasiness and worry. And I think so much we often talk about the, the main thing of life is we can't control what happens in the external world but we can start to manage our reactions to it, as we always say. And I think that rings true right now of of what we can be doing to manage everything that's happening because it's a lot.
2: It is. I think, too, as we move into this topic, I think it's important to name the fact that most of what, I know for me, most of what causes my overwhelm is the feeling of what can I do? Like I always got this feeling, what can I do? What can I do to help me move through this overwhelm? What can I do that's causing the overwhelm or what the worry is that I might have in the outside world or the fear or the anxiety or the sadness or the suffering that I feel? Um, so I think it's like, how can we tap into what what actions we can take in the moment um, that help the most for me anyway? And so Definitely. trying to get past that idea that I'm helpless and that it's hopeless and turning that and redirecting that into, um, I can control and any action that I take in this moment, and nothing is ever hopeless. There's always hope at the end of the tunnel when we feel like we have some sense of control and exercise our ability to control where we can. So,
0: And how we get to that fantastic place is through cultivating a practice. This has been a big question that so many of you have written in about wanting us to dive deeper into. And so today we kind of wanted to just have a, a, a little episode about Finding your practice, cultivating your practice, what it means to have a practice, a little bit of the ins and outs of meditation and mindfulness. We talk about those words a lot and just breaking it down, breaking down some of the misconceptions and just maybe helping you to understand what you can cultivate in your life to maybe feel a little bit better.
2: Yeah. And why it's so important. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So... Why is having a practice important?
2: So I call my practice um, a life raft. Um, I I've, I use this a lot in my book. I use this in my teachings for all, all these decades that, you know, our practice, my practice um, is really what grounds me in myself and not grounded in the external world. We're so Um, If we think of ourselves as a, as a boat, let's just say we're a boat in the water and life is, you know, constantly throwing storms and lightning and thunder and all of the little, the waves, all of the things. And so my practice is the foundation is the deep rooting of me in the midst of all the waves and the storm and the thunder and the lightning and all the things that the weather will send our way or that life will send our way. And sometimes I'm just kind of hanging on for dear life. I mean, and that's just good enough on some days and some days I can kind of surf the waves like a master surfer. And so the practice, my practice helps me feel, uh, the control that I do have, which, which is actually the actions that I can take in any given moment. And sometimes an action can be really teeny, teeny tiny, and sometimes it can be quite large. So it really gives me that sense of connectedness to myself, connectedness to my own confidence and resilience and knowing that I can weather any storm that life sends my way Uh, by staying connected to the present moment? And what can I do in this moment?
0: And for me, a practice is kind of like what you said, but it's that connection with myself and cultivating that deep knowing and strong foundation within myself to have the confidence and clarity and knowing that, Nine times out of 10, I can probably manage whatever happens to me. Obviously, I'm not perfect. That's why I didn't say 10 out of 10. But it gives you that feeling of, I got this. What do I need to do? Like you said, yeah. going back to the beginning of feeling like helplessness and hopelessness, we can counteract that by doing something. So
2: can I just, I think it's also important for everyone listening to understand that having a practice and the things that we're going to talk about today do not change anything in the outside world. It doesn't make the outside world better, um, more forgiving, more manageable, as you were saying, Michelle. It it ta- it taps into and, and helps you feel the confidence and the security that you've got this, that you know what you're going to do in this moment, or you know what you can do in this moment. We're not perfect, of course, and that i believe what we that confidence and clarity that we have in the moment and the actions that we take ultimately start to make an impact on our outer world so that's you know the the whole i think the whole tagline that we have in the work that we do is outer peace through inner peace that idea of having inner strength will ultimately produce the outer connectedness or joy that we might be looking for. So I just wanted to say that it doesn't, you're going to have a practice and it of doesn't course. mean that the world's going to get perfect all of a sudden and people are going to pay attention to you and listen to you and no. all of that. And that is
0: some of the misconceptions we were going to get into later on is, is, is that True. because that's a huge one, but I think it's important to lead off with that too of yeah. knowing just managing our expectations when it comes to a practice, because so often we think it's going to fix everything. Yeah. And that's not the point. Um, the point is connection, creating that space like we've talked about in so many of the other episodes of creating the space so that you can have a choice and and really just a sense of peace from within. So how did you come into your practice? I think you have it's cool to have this conversation together at this period in our lives because we both have such, different entry points. And I think you have such a unique perspective because this has been a part of your life for so long. And now it's, it's a really trendy word and world, but that wasn't necessarily the case back in the day. So we've, we've dived into your story a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about how you got into your actual practice and what, what that meant for you.
2: Wonderful. And, and I'll touch on the parts that, that that helped me develop a practice and why it was so important. And then one day we're going to do an episode where we'll really get into the whole, the, the juicy parts of, of um, what actually caused me to even need a practice. So, <laughs> um, so I went into treatment for bulimia in 1984. I think I've talked, touched on that a little bit and we'll do that in another episode. And I happened to have the incredible good fortune in 1984 to be in a treatment center that the, um, that the treatments and the whole modalities that they taught us were meditation and mindfulness and gentle eating and lots of therapy, individual therapy and group therapy and lots of exercise and learning learning why it's important to take care of the body through physical movement and walking and swimming and, and um, yoga. And so this was all 1984, which, as you said, was not all, none of this stuff was really being talked about much, even though meditation came here in the 60s. Um, It wasn't really on people's radar because I know that when I got out of treatment um, and started to develop and started to hone in on what my practice was going to look like, what my meditation, mindfulness, yoga, exercise, all of the things that I learned there, eating, um, when I would talk to people about it, you know, because I was so excited and because I knew that I needed to have a practice and I needed to have a plan, um, or I would not be in recovery for bulimia or for my eating disorder. So it was really important to me to have that plan and to start devising my own practice. People thought I was nuts. They would look at me like I was, what do you mean? I don't even know what mindfulness means. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And so they just kind of wrote me off as, oh, you're that girl that had that problem. You went into treatment. Now do we need to worry about you anymore, kind of.
0: Well, I think, too, back in those days, too, the, the concept of mental health was... Again, not something that people talked about like they do now. If you had mental health issues, anxiety, depression, even eating disorder, it was very hush-hush. And even the concept of seeing a therapist was not something that was so widely spoken about. So I think the fact that you were someone in the mid-80s talking about all of it so openly and and kind of so proudly, like you didn't really seem to have a lot of shame about it, Mm -hmm. at least from what you've told me, was very uncommon and probably made a lot of people uncomfortable because that was not typical conversation that people were having.
2: And I just felt like it was saving my life. Um, And so I was very, very excited about it. And I kind of wanted the whole world to know about it because it was so incredible to me that you could actually live your life. I was starting to be able for the first time in my life, live my life liking myself and feeling like I mattered and feeling like I could go into the world and, not only could I be successful in the outside world, which I already was, but I could actually be happy. So it was a revolution. I was I was on a revolution to try to help people, but I was also revolutionary for me in in what I was what I had discovered in treatment. And so I set about coming out of treatment. Um, really set about really in a very disciplined and um, uh, s- succinct way of how could I keep this going and how is this going to look. Uh, not being in a treatment center for six weeks, but actually being in the outside world, living my life, working, and all of the things.
0: So for you, the practices that you learned in treatment, like meditation, like yoga, like being present and being mindful, are what kept you balanced and in recovery from your addictions, but also kind of steered you onto a different path as far as your life purpose and what you were really doing in your life. I mean, you went into treatment as a McDonald's operator and you came out someone who was a seeker of learning and tapping into these practices because like you said, you were so excited. You wanted everybody to know about this as like a revolutionary way of thinking. Um, so it not only did it change your relationship with yourself, it changed your entire life.
2: Absolutely. And I think what um, what I did really was seek out places where I could learn more about meditation. Seek out places where I could learn more about what does it actually mean to be mindful. Uh, seek out yoga. Seek out, you know, really for the first time, looked at how could I learn how to take care of my body better. I'd never worked out a day in my life. I was only ever working. Again,
0: this was also before things like that, like I think yoga was not a thing. No. And exercise in the way that we know it in 2022 is not a thing.
2: Right. So I went out and just started. We didn't have computers, so we weren't, I wasn't Googling where can I find a meditation teacher, any of that kind of stuff. So what it did was I started reading. I literally started reading. I went to bookstores, I went to libraries, and I started reading. I started picking up books on meditation, mindfulness, because there were lots of teachers out there, but they weren't mainstream. So it was It was um, a real discovery for me to try to find, literally, and I talk about this a lot, finding my practice, finding the practice that was going to be um, what would serve me to live the the life that I came here to live and to live the best life that I wanted to live, successful and happy.
0: Yeah, and I think that clearly your path has evolved and it's gone through many iterations, but that is something that's stuck with you since you left treatment all those years ago, and then thinking about you you getting out of treatment with those tools, and then not too much longer, you had me.
2: Yeah, v- 1985, so really not too much longer. Showing my age, <laughs> I mom. I know, I I'm know. Just kidding, I don't care. Yeah, um, no, I had only been out of treatment a year.
0: And so I think then, of course, that that opened you up into, again, another new path. And I get a lot of questions from From all of you about what it was like growing up with a parent that did these things and was I someone that just kind of like came out of the womb doing these things and was this always a part of my life and and so what why I said at the beginning of this episode that it'll be an interesting conversation to hear both perspectives is because you came at it from a having a a crossroads of your life, a make or break and and seeking help and, and having it become your life raft, like you said. And I kind of eased into it to sort of help me manage my own stresses of life. It wasn't as dramatic for me, obviously. But what was always so nice for me is you never pushed these practices on me. Obviously I knew that you were I had I knew I had a meditating mom. You put the little pillow sign on your door saying like, keep out, I'm meditating or whatever yeah. it said. And we knew that you would go back into your little room and we weren't to <laughs> disturb you. Um, and that still was a time where it was very, we kind of made fun of you as like, you know, the Birkenstock wearing hippie meditator, but you never pushed it on me, which was, I think people often ask, you know, how do as parents, how do you get your kids to incorporate these things and I think that's important thing to note that you know pushing things on anyone never really really works
2: I think Um, you model it I think it's in your behavior it's in your actions you saw that uh, and as we'll talk about more you saw that I could manage my frustrations and anger and irritation and all that you saw me feel my feelings and you saw all those things happen but then you also saw me you know, like take a breath or go meditate and come back out with a plan.
0: You planted the seed. Mm -hmm. And so I think fast forward to me being in my 20s, going through difficult life periods, feeling stressed about a lot of expectations in life, being in like a difficult romantic relationship, you know, feeling uncertain about what my life path was going to look like. I started going to yoga as my own um, connection with myself and escape from the world. And that was my introduction to... Even the concept of being present um, in the present moment without being distracted, connecting with myself in a way that was for me and it didn't have to do with anybody else, and leaving everything in the external world behind so that I could sort out who I am and what I wanted at any given moment um. So my my gateway into that world was yoga, and then I went into yoga teacher training. And of course, I'm sitting in my yoga teacher training, and my teacher Philip was like, "And so you know, let's talk about meditation." And I was like, "Oh,
2: <laughs> there it is. You got it."
0: I came home and I said, "Mom, guess what? I'm learning to meditate." And she said, oh, "Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful,
2: <laughs> so wonderful." And I had the biggest smile on my face. But it
0: was perfect because you really allowed you allowed me to enter it in my own place and in my own time. And we both have our own practices, which is Mm -hmm. kind of the whole point of this conversation is we both found our practices. They don't look the same. No two practice has to look the same for it to be valid and meaningful and important and impactful. Um, And I really, I really value that because my practice is mine. It's not my mommy's practice who she, upon me. It's something that I've cultivated within myself. But of course, I don't deny the fact that the seeds were planted early on.
2: And that you've done your own research and study too. You've read all the you've read all the teachers that have spoken to your heart and you've looked at the things that you implement. It's not like we're on this path alone or that I just came up with all this ideas for my practice. We really do the work of what what is our heart or our soul or what inside of us is calling us to um uncover that confidence and strength and resilience and stuff? What is it that it's going to take to be able to get so grounded within yourself that you can weather the storms that we were talking about in life? So that's, I think it's really being open to all the great teachings that are out there, but then discerning what's right for you and what feels right for you. So like one teacher saying, you have to do this for X amount of time every day in order to, to get the benefits or in order to that that might be that teacher's own experience is what I've discovered over all these years. And maybe it's not mine. Maybe my experience is this amount of time, or maybe my experience is I need to, I need to look at how can I actually have a practice that takes me through the whole, the whole day, which has been my experience for sure. Of course. And not just sitting maybe for a certain amount of time in the morning or the afternoon or whatever, it, whatever it is. I think well, it's we'll get important. Into to, yeah. A bit, but I think it's just important to realize that your practice, what you're saying and, but it, you have to do the work to find it.
0: Right. And I think everyone reaches a point in their life and it, it can look different for everyone where they want something more or different or they're at a breaking point like you were. And for me too, I mean, I was so deeply unhappy. I was in a really bad relationship and just felt very lost. And I had to find something that helped me to make sense of it all. And so I think a lot of people come to that point in their lives where it's like, okay, well, what do I do? Obviously, you can't change the external world and control what's happening in it, like we always say. So clearly, there's got to be something I can do, take take matters into my own hands in some sort of way to help me feel better.
2: I, what I love so much about this conversation and about finding a practice is it, it actually gives you we all want to feel like we're in control. We all want power. We all want to feel like, like we have a say in how we're going to live our lives or we have a say in what's going to happen. And, but I think we're always see, searching for it in the outside world. We want to control what's happening out there. We want to control other people and how they respond to us or what they say or what happens. Or We think that we can manage things out there. When in reality, how we manage things from the inside out will ultimately impact the outside for us. And so I think what, what it, it did for me was... Because what
0: happens outside doesn't really matter.
2: Well, I mean... It, it,
0: it matters, but like you can... It matters, but what you go... It doesn't con- shake you. you. can't...
2: Con- yeah. And I I think what, what for me, bulimia happens to be an eating disorder that is all about control. And so what happened for me was coming out of treatment, I thought, oh my gosh, I've like found you know, the, the, the Holy grail or whatever you want to call it, I Realize now, how can I feel like I have a sense of control? How can I feel like I'm not a victim and that I actually can influence, um, my own success and happiness and so forth. And so that's from the inside out.
0: Yep. Sure. Is. So, yeah. So what does your practice look like?
2: So my practice consists of meditation, meditating in the morning, and meditating at you meditate night. Meditate every day. I meditate every single day. I think one of the things we're going to say to you in this in this talk is that uh, consistency is key. If there's really anything you get out of this, that would be like right up there at the top. Consistency is key to see the benefits of anything. It has to be done over and over again. And I wanted to reach to you um, when I wrote my book, the practice um one Simple of the things tools
0: for managing stress finding inner peace and uncovering happiness by barb schmidt
2: <laughs> what i wanted to when i wrote that uh, practice is everything for me and i think when you even look at you know concert pianists or great athletes or anyone that has really achieved great success in life like that they practice they didn't just come out of the womb being able to do it there's some sort of practice that has to go along with it so I found this Martha Graham quote when I was writing the book that says this, practice means to perform over and over again in the face of all obstacles, some act of vision, of faith, of desire. And I think that says everything that we're talking about today. Like For you to find that, that, that practice that you can perform over and over again every single day um, in the face of all obstacles, in the face of anything that's happening out there in the world, some act of vision, some act of where you can actually see yourself performing this practice, and faith that you have the deepest, greatest faith that the outcomes are going to be what you desire for them to be, or what what would what you would be most wanting them to be, because you are giving it at all. You're being mindful in the present moment of your desires, of your deepest wishes for your life, you know, what is it that we really truly want, want, want for our lives. And then we set about every day taking one tiny step to get there. So my practice is based in meditation, is based in a mindfulness practice, bringing myself back to the present moment when I feel stressed or overwhelmed or exhausted or exasperated. You know, I have this thing that I say, stop, breathe and begin again. And so I do that all day long when I'm feeling overwhelmed. I want before we came to record this episode, you said, Are we gonna drive together? And I said, No, I want to be by myself. She
0: said F no, I'm I wanna be by myself because I
2: did no, I just needed to have that um, I needed to have that little space of pausing and breathing and just coming back to myself because it's been a day of of overwhelm. So So I meditate. I meditate, bring myself back to the present moment. I use my breath to to bring me into a, a place of, you know, the breath is our life force. Learned that in yoga, learned that in meditation. The breath bring it, it the breath brings our body and our mind back into balance, brings our breathing back into a sense of 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 um, control, getting out of that anxiety mode and, and and I can see clearly. I can see more clearly.
0: And you also use the practice of, of mantra repetition.
2: Yes, I use mantra repetitions, I use affirmations, um, I do a lot of reading. Um, I will read every single day. And when I say a lot, I don't mean that I sit hours and hours and read. When I say a lot of anything, it means that it's consistency. So I will read something every single day. And usually it's at, you know, maybe five or ten minutes at the beginning of the day after my meditation. And always it's right before I go to bed. After my evening reflection and meditation, I will read for another maybe five or ten minutes or longer if I'm not too tired. So it's really about weaving those there's, you know, there's a, there's a, there's some research and, and science out there that if you spend 1% of the day, which is 14 minutes, there's 1,440 minutes of the day. If you spend 1% of the day every day doing something, um, could be reading, could be, you know, whatever it is that you're successful in your work, or it could be practicing a, an instrument, um, could be meditation and being mindful, could be yoga. If you spend 1% of your day, it has the opportunity and the possibility of producing the results and
0: transforming the other minutes. And transforming of the, day.
2: the other minutes of the day and, and producing the results. So the point of that whole thing is you don't have to wait until you've been practicing and practicing and practicing to see results, to see the benefits of the work that you're doing. Just start weaving these, these minutes throughout your day. And so I look at what I try to teach people is before you get out of bed, close your eyes before stepping out of bed. And just start taking some deep breaths and really just connecting with yourself. So spend maybe two, three, four, maybe five minutes, just even in your bed, just connecting with yourself, breathing before you talk on the phone, before you check any of the technology that's available to you to just connect to yourself. And then as you step out of bed, just say, you know, thank you for the gift of this new day. You woke up and now you have this whole day in front of you. Just grounding yourself in yourself yourself is powerful, and so we're trying to gain our power. And then going throughout the rest of the day, every moment of the day, looking at how, feeling overwhelmed, let me, if you're at work, let me go into the bathroom and just stop and just take some very deep breaths and just kind of collect myself and bring myself back to the moment and then begin again. And doing that all day long, finding time to to work your body, to walk, to move, to yoga, exercise, walk, whatever it is. Um, going out, looking at nature you know, finding those ways to connect with yourself and connect with something other than the chaos or the anxiety or the fear or the speed of the outside world. And then doing the same at the end of the day, closing out the day, putting away all the technology, getting into bed. Um, I look at how my day went, just where are some of the places that I need to learn, you know, what I might need to do the next time and do my reading. Not, not, not novel reading or or fiction reading, just my inspirational reading from the teachers and the books that I love so much. And then I close my eyes and and think about the idea of put leaving the day in this day. I don't want to take this day to bed with me because I can't change anything. All I can do is make peace with this day by saying, "Okay, I learned whatever I needed to learn." I, I applaud myself for the successes that happen. Now let me leave this day here so that I can go to bed with a peaceful night's sleep and wake up tomorrow with a new day before me. So I know that's Clearly a lot. she
0: has a lot to say about the topic.
2: I do because that's, you asked me my practice. And so that is, that's how you weave 14 minutes, maybe more. Certainly mine is more um, after all these years, after decades of practice. But that's how you weave it throughout your day that makes it manageable and doable and sustainable.
0: And those are the key things because that's your practice and my practice is similar. Um, I do meditate daily in the morning. I think it's a great way to start the day connected with yourself. Um, oftentimes when we're teaching workshops about meditation, you know, we use the analogy of you plug your phone in overnight to recharge the battery. And for me, meditation is the plugging into myself to charge my own battery yes and it's become such an integral part of my day where it's like you know most of us have the habit of brushing our teeth every morning and you wouldn't really want to leave the house without brushing your teeth maybe I wouldn't yeah I don't like doing anything or leaving the house or getting up and going without doing my meditation practice because it is that recharge. It's that check in. It's that um, temperature check for me of like, okay, what is happening for me today? And it really is how I start my day. And, you know, when we're teaching this practice, a lot of people say, I don't have time. I got to go. It's, you know, my life is so hectic. But it really, I might meditate for a specific amount of time in the morning and so do you, but we tell people all the time, it can be a minute, it can be two minutes, it can be 10 minutes. It can be opening your eyes, closing them again, taking a couple deep breaths. That's why we say, you know, finding your practice and, and choosing what works for you and what feels for you because like you said, consistency is key. Um, and you have to find a way to make it work for you. So for me, I do that every morning. That's kind of my non-negotiable. I also love to journal. Journaling is one of my favorite um, practices. I I like to journal at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day if, if I have time for it, but oftentimes lately it's kind of my nighttime wind down. I love to just open my journal and just free write whatever's going on in my brain. It's like not make trying to make sense of it and it's like a meditative experience where the thoughts come I put them onto paper and I like to think of that as like giving your thoughts a home you know if you think about in life if you have things that you need to do a to-do list and you don't write it down it sticks in your brain over and over and over again and I think sometimes our thoughts are like that where if you don't write them down and give them a home and a place to live it'll just repeat over and over and over again so I love that practice. And it's, again, another temperature check of seeing how I'm doing in any given moment. Like, what's going on in my mind? Am I really ruminating about something or am I pretty good? Um, That's one of my favorite practices, too, to connect with myself. And lastly, I'll say for my own practice, and we touch on it with yours, is you you never forced me to do any of these things when when I was a kid. But you taught me the practice of mantra repetition very, very early on. And a mantra is a spiritual phrase from, you know, ancient texts and, and, um, and wisdoms and teachers that can be religious or spiritual, but, you know, they're rooted in some sort of path or faith that you repeat silently to yourself. And it's, it's like a chosen thing that you choose um, that you kind of just repeat in your mind when you're trying to be present. And throughout, I might not have meditated in my life, but that was something that I was like, well, I can, if I'm starting to be bored or anxious, I can start to repeat that phrase in my mind. And I did that from an early age. And I noticed, especially over the past couple of years, these difficult years, and especially through some difficult moments that I've had personally in my life, that that practice, although I never really understood why it was beneficial or how it could impact me or even what was the point. It's like, okay, I'm just repeating these words in my mind over and over again. But when I was going through a really, really difficult time, I noticed that that practice like rose to the surface and it, without even thinking about it or without even trying, I started to repeat that mantra that you taught me to do years and years ago. And that was, to go back to the words you used, my life raft in getting through really, really terrible moments in my life that I don't think I would have been able to get through without. And so I say all that just to say that, too, you can be doing these things and maybe not necessarily seeing tangible results of like, look at me, isn't my life perfect? But when you least expect it or when something really happens or when like life really throws you a curveball, you've kind of filled your own cup to the sense of being able to handle things that you didn't necessarily think you would have ever. And we'll get into (laughs) more of these personal stories down the road and in other um, episodes, but no way would I have gotten through some of the things that I've gotten through without the practice.
2: I'm so happy that you shared that, Michelle, and I think you're right. And uh, maybe on a n- next episode or so, we could talk about in depth about mantra repetition and affirmation use and stuff. But I'm so happy you shared that because I think I think that it's so important. You you touched on so many valuable things here and. One you said a several times is taking a temperature check and checking in with yourself. And I know when I sit down to meditate first thing in the morning, when I sit in my chair, the first thing I do is I ask myself, how are you feeling today, Barb?
0: How's it going being you today? Yeah.
2: And and so I want to know. And what I'm really asking myself is, you know, how does my body feel? Where Where is my energy? What are my feelings? And I think you said that so beautifully, just now like you, you're constantly checking in with yourself. I think that's the whole idea of a practice. How am I checking in with myself and feeling my feelings and understanding what's happening for you in any given moment? And it's not perfect and you don't always get it. But I think I love that you taking a temperature check, which really means to feel your feelings and know what's happening for you. And if you're in a real overwhelm, as I said before, you stop or you take a break or you, you cancel a lunch that you were supposed to go to because you just can't do it. It just doesn't feel like it's going to be okay because you're taking care of yourself. And then the other thing I just wanted to say that you were that you were touching on that's so amazing is that whole idea of the journaling and giving your thoughts a home. The more we allow the thoughts to take root in the mind, the more we believe what the thinking—and that's another episode in itself—but the more we believe that the thoughts that we're thinking are all true, so we go down the rabbit hole, or we start thinking that this is all true. Um, the harder it is to get out of the hole that we're in, or the harder it is to overcome or just start to manage the feelings of anxiety. So I love that you you do have that journal practice and that, that has not been a, a consistent practice of mine, but when I have done it, you're right. It's like the thoughts need somewhere to go. So in, in my well, mind, they just go out into the blue sky. I think of the thoughts as white clouds in a blue sky and I just let them kind of pass through me, but I love your practice that's really concrete of giving them a home on a piece of paper.
0: And I think the point, too, of that is you know these tools and they're in your back pocket. So it's like having that own self-awareness, to be like, wow, my mind is really going on overdrive. Maybe I need to, like, start journaling again or maybe I need to go for a walk or whatever the things are that you that are in your back pocket. But going back to the point of journaling, too, when I was years and years ago talking to my therapist she said something to me that changed my perspective about the thoughts and the mind. And of course, we can go into this again in another episode, not to tease other episodes, but, um, you know, thinking about the thoughts that you think creating grooves or neural pathways in your brain. And the more you consistently think the same kind of thought pattern over and over and over again, that groove gets deeper and deeper into your brain. So thinking, If you're thinking something that's negative or unproductive or, you know, not where you want to be placing your energy, that neural pathway gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it's harder to get out of it. And so if you can start to get into that practice, like using the mantras or affirmations that we talked about or journaling to get the thoughts out, thinking something differently in that moment creates the new neural pathway and the new groove in the brain that can be more productive or more positive or more in the direction of where you're trying to go. And having that mental image of the grooves in my brain just worked for me where I'm like, absolutely not. I don't want to make this particular groove deeper. It sucks. Um, So journaling is also a great tool to kind of at least bring your awareness to what's happening in your mind. It's like taking an inventory of your thoughts and being like, wow, I'm really harping on this, this, and this, and maybe I don't want to. Um, but that visual really, really helped me. And I think about that often as far as my own connection with self and my own, what's happening for me inside my mind.
2: That is Michelle, that is so powerful. Just listening to you, I've heard you say this so many times, but just listening to this in the moment, what you're actually sharing is that we have the power to create healthy habits. Like we can actually turn the unhealthy habits that we may have in our lives and actually transform them and start to create healthy habits. So having that groove and that visual is so incredibly powerful for me. And I hope it is for everyone else out there that you, it is within you to be able to create a habit that will start to, to give yourself a groove in the brain that is positive and that is helpful and that is truthful and that is useful and that really can help, that can lead you to feeling that sense of control and, and happiness and success that we're all looking for. I love that so much.
0: Yeah, having that visual is really helpful. So... I think
2: before we close up, I just want to also say one thing that, um, yes, I have my practice and I have all of the things that we're talking about and you have your practice. And I just want to one more time say, in this span of 38 years that I've been having my practice a lot has happened and as michelle said we'll get into some of the more personal stories later but you know a lot of things like death and divorce and and traumas and all kinds of things have happened in the span of this 38 years that i'm sitting here talking about my practice so it i just want to one more time say that life is never going to be perfect and we're not going to be able to get rid of those things in life that come at us that really bring us to our knees. I've been brought to my knees quite often in the 38 years that I've been practicing now, but I've never drowned. I've never gone off the cliff if you want to call it that, or I call it my life raft because it's, it's been, as I said, sometimes just hanging on for dear life. And I think that's the important thing to remember for me that a practice has kept me here, has Mm -hmm. kept me strong, has kept me resilient has kept me confident and hopeful Um, but it hasn't taken away all of the life sufferings and sadnesses that, that all of us at some point or another in some version or another will experience
0: well thank goodness for that yeah so tying this up in a nice little bow some of the common misconceptions that we've talked about is that you know a practice has to be really rigid you know you have to be prescribed a certain thing and do a certain thing in a certain amount of time in a certain way. And at least it's it's our perspective. Of course, everything we talked about talk about in this podcast in total is, you know, from our perspective. And our experience. And our experience. You know, finding something that works for you. There are people, of course, that meditate hours a day and go on long silent retreats or whatever. You don't have to do that to find the benefits. So and find,
2: silent retreats work for me. Just of course. to yes. So well, that's what I want to say. You can weave saying- in, you can take it's like, you know what it's like? It's like a grocery store. I like to think of it. Take you got what the, you like. Well, you've got the whole marketplace of meditation, mindfulness, yoga, all the things that are out there. And just stay curious and open and allow yourself to pick and choose what works for you and then stick with it. Find your practice and practice it.
0: Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't have to look like what anybody else is doing. Again, my practice doesn't look like yours and right. they're both valid. And it's really about finding what feels good for you, what you can sustain. Again, consistency is key. Um, we, again, like to use this analogy in a lot of our workshops that, you know, you wouldn't take a month's worth of vitamins in one day. Right. God help and us. say, I'm done
2: for that 30 days.
0: Um, so, like, you really wouldn't do a month's worth of your practice in one day, like saying, oh, I'm just going to meditate for two hours on Monday and never again. Right. You really, it's about the daily consistency, um, in a way that works for you. So consistency is key. It doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else. And you don't even have to share about it with anybody else. Um, it it can be really personal and meaningful in a way that is, is just for you. Um, and remembering to do it.
2: making it a practice. Remember that Martha You can poem. schedule
0: it out into your calendar, you can have you can talk about it all day long, you can have lofty ideas, you can have the journals, you can have the crystals, you can have the oils, you can have all the stuff. But ultimately, the only person that can do your practice and reap the benefits of it is you. Yeah. No one else can do it for you.
2: And making sure that I like that you use the word rigid, making sure that you're not rigid but it's sustainable. And so, um, you know, I, I like the idea of scheduling, you know, if you're going to do a five minute meditation in the morning, schedule it and wake up five minutes early so that you never have that excuse. I don't have time. So just, I mean, we all can kind of back our schedules up for five minutes. So just really making playing with it, but being serious. Let you know, that's that whole quote that I, that I use, you know, you know, take the life that you're leading seriously because this is your one precious life but don't take yourself so seriously and just making sure that you find a way to sustain whatever practice you begin with, because I promise you your practice will evolve. Your practice will change and morph and it'll, you, cause we change and morph. We are there. The one constant in life is that it's going to change. So it's not that your practice won't change and that it has to be rigid, but it's that you want to consistently be doing a practice, whatever that looks like and making sure that it involves you know, really connecting with yourself and how you're feeling and what's happening for you and really getting that sense of, of, um, living your life from the inside out.
0: Well, that's what mindfulness, mindfulness is. It's that practice of being present and coming back home to yourself and asking yourself, like, what do I need to do now? Um, it's that practice of being in the present moment because the present moment is all we ever have. And I know that that's a thing that people say a lot and it can sound very esoteric. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said that word earlier did. and you were like that's a a big word. <laughs> big word for early morning. But you know, when you think about it, it's true. We can't change anything that's happened in a second ago to our entire lives ago. And we of course can't control or do anything about what's going to happen in the next second or the next week. The only place that we have any power or influence in anything is what's happening right now in this moment. Of course, we can take what we've learned from the past and apply it to what we want to create for the future, but that coming home to yourself and asking yourself, what can I do in the now, is really where you cultivate that feeling of like ease and peace, inner peace that we talk about, strength, confidence, and... All the stuff that I think so many of us are wanting, especially in such a chaotic, unstable, unpredictable world that we live in.
2: Yeah. And so I think why we talk about living your life from the inside out and where that's where your power and everything is always brings me back to my favorite movie as a kid. I was going to say, (laughs) let's hear your favorite My favorite movie when I was six years old watching The Wizard of Oz you know, and Glinda the Good Witch said to Dorothy, you always had the power to go home. You just had to learn it.
0: You've always had the power, my dear.
2: Yeah, you've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it. And when I, when I, I watched that movie a gazillion times. And when I hear that today, and when I've heard it so often in the past 38 years, especially, I think it, it formed the bedrock of me that you've always had the power. And so the powers was, the power is within us all you just had to learn it. So I always like to take quotes and interpret what it's going to mean in my life and how do I envision that playing out. You just, had to, you just had to believe it. You just had to practice it. You had to figure it out for yourself. What was it you needed to learn to understand that all of your power and strength and resiliency and confidence and everything is right there within you. And so then I translate that into finding your practice of coming home, Aww. finding your practice of always coming back to yourself, As you said, taking a temperature check with yourself, checking in with yourself, connecting with yourself, always coming back into your heart, really, into your heart center, into your being, into your, into your foundation within you, you know, all of those things, all of these words, you know, that, that we've used, that I've used, that we've talked about finding the words that feel right for you. What does that mean to come home to yourself?
0: I love that. That's so nice. Dorothy knew. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Glinda knew, and then Dorothy found out. Glinda <laughs> knew, and Dorothy learned.
0: There we go. So I hope that this episode has at least just planted a seed for anyone who's listening and curious about finding a practice of where they can go. Your book is a great tool—not to self plug, but it's a good I start. Mean, it's our it's podcast. Really self, we'll self <laughs> we plug It's it's about kind of the startings of a practice, finding your practice, and some of the the tools that we talked about today. We you go deeper into your book, the practice. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Hello. Um, so hopefully it answers some of your questions and you can just start to explore that for yourself in a in a better way. And of course, we always say if you ever have any questions or need some clarification, please feel free to reach out to us. And um,
2: I would just say I would I would like to just say two, three things. Find your practice and practice it. Okay. Find your teachings, find those books, those teachers, those writings, those podcasts, those movies, whatever that is that inspire you. Find those teachings and learn from them and, and make them your own. And then find your community, find your, find your group of people, find the people in your life that lift you up and that, that are like-minded or that you feel like you can talk about anything with and find that community of people for yourself and and be with them and enter it kind of and 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 surround yourself with people that that lift you up and inspire you to continue to be the best version of who you already are.
0: I love it. Thank you for that. And thank you all for listening and joining us in this week's episode. We're so so grateful for all of you who are sticking with us and being such a integral part of our community and in this podcast it's really a bright light and sometimes a dark world for us so we're super grateful please be sure to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts apple spotify google all the places we always appreciate a five-star rating and a a nice review that the nice reviews really make us smile so thank you so much for that and please stay connected on social media at barb knows best pod at peaceful barb at Michelle Maros. Keep leaving us messages of what you want to hear from us. And we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for being here and sharing your practice.
2: Thank you. I love you.
0: Because as we know, Barb knows best.